We're going to have fun this morning, I think. Yeah. So as we approach Pentecost, Pentecost, um, it's a name, it's a phrase given to a specific happening in, in church history where the Holy Spirit came, filled his people up completely and fully, and it's uh, based on the preaching of Peter, and it's really awesome. It's uh, 50 days after the resurrection, uh, um, so it's a, it, that word actually means that, penta is, is 50. Approach Pentecost, it's June 5th, June 5th. Hey, that's a day before my birthday. I have a birthday coming up, just in case you want to prepare, plan, or, or think about something. Um, I think I'm turning 54, 3. Three, four, 54? Okay. Yeah, I had a conversation with my sister the other day, and she swore, I swear, yeah, I'm ter- she said something about being 53, and I'm like, no, I'm 53. And she goes, oh, no. Oh, she said something, I said, you're, you're not, I, I was a year behind, and she's like, oh, no, you're all of 53. And I'm like, no, I'm turning 53. She, we had this intense argument, of course, that's what you have. <laughs> And I was wrong. <clears throat> That's okay. I could be wrong about some things, but there's certain things I want to be right about. So I'm going to ask a question as we approach Pentecost, and this is a, uh, a question for us to really just reflect on and think. And um, it's a question that might cause you to think, do I think about this, or do, have I ever thought about this, or is it something I regularly think about? How aware are you of the contrast, or we can even say the conflict, between your flesh and your spirit? Now, I'm asking you personally to just reflect on that and think about it. No answer, but how aware are you? How astute, how attuned are you into this contrast that is happening constantly inside of you? Or a conflict, you know, the Bible even calls it a war, between your flesh and your spirit. Um, in fact, the Bible actually refers to it as a war between the natural man, the old man, and your spiritual man, the new man. I don't know if you realize this or not, but by default, by default, we live and walk in our flesh, our sinful nature. Agree? Well, you can disagree. It's okay. But I want you to really understand and see this as like, okay, by... So, so there's, there's something that re, is required of us that really takes place in our walk of faith that if I, don't in, if I am not intentional about walking in the Spirit, I will walk in the flesh. In other words, by default, you know what that means, right? By, in other words, if you get out of bed and just operate by default, what are you going to do that day? Probably just go back to bed, right? Or, you know, you're, you're going to operate in your flesh. You're just going to do what you just feel like doing, that word. It's, you're going to do what you feel like doing today. Um, you might even do what you identify as today. Boy, that's kind of cool. Can we do that? Okay, thank you. A hundred percent to the no, right? So there's something that's taking place 
and I really believe this, um, it's a regular thing that we're a part of. And I was really reflecting on this and thinking about it as I just was uh, taking some time away and just, um, just reflecting on how much do we walk in the Spirit and how much do we walk in the flesh. And then me personally, I was look, looking at myself as like, did I respond in the Spirit there? Did I respond in the flesh? Did I act in the Spirit, by the Spirit, or did I act in my flesh in that situation or that incident? Um, I would even say that the, the less aware that we are about this personal conflict, the more you are actually in operation of, in your default mode, the more you are operating in your default mode, which is in the flesh. Does that make sense? I, so in other words, if we are not paying attention, we'll just operate in our flesh. We'll just go that way. Of our flesh. Does that, do you, are you with me on this for a second? Because here's where we're going to go somewhere that's, I believe, going to be super encouraging. Um, and and I, I believe even uh, it, it, it'll take us to a, a, another step, a deeper place in our walk with God, a, a deeper commitment to our commitment with God, a deeper walk with God, if I could say that. I'm trying to say that exactly as I wanted to, because there's something I wanted to hear, or I wanted to. Uh, hit on, um, as I was driving down L.A., you know, in the L.A. area, um, driving back, driving there, it's a, it's a long drive, a lot of time to reflect and think, and I spent a lot of time just thinking and, and talking to the Lord, and our car's a little quiet, Robin's doing stuff on her phone or doing stuff, she's thinking, doing Bible studies, and so we're, we're spending time with the Lord a lot as we're driving, and even with Noel and Kinsey in the car, I was able to kind of think about some things. And there's some phrases in the Bible that I was going over in my head that, that really shake me, that rock me, that, that, that disturb me, that upset me, that, I, that are problematic for me. Um, do you have any of those in the Bible? And I know somebody once said that it's, it's not the parts of the Bible that I, that, I, that I don't understand that bother me. It's all the parts that I do understand that bother me. And so there's one phrase, and there's a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of them, actually. Jesus said a lot of things that just like, wow, really, Jesus? You just said that? And, and I'm, as I read the Bible, I read it that way as though he's speaking it right directly to me at that moment in that time. That's how I love to read the Bible. Because it is that way. The Bible is alive. The Word of God is alive, and it's, it's, it's fresh. It's moving, it's not dead, it's not something that was written just uh, as, a, as a history book, but it's alive, and it has this power and intention to do something inside of me. So that's how I always read the Bible. No matter what, when I read it, that's how I read it, as though it's God's Word alive speaking to me at that moment. Whether it's for me personally or for me to teach, it's alive. Hello? And that's awesome. That's how we should read it, because that's how it is. But this phrase that is used, that Paul uses, Paul uses some kind of really, if they're just rocking phrases. I mean, they really rock me. It's this one here. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. It's, he's talking about the, 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 the atmosphere of the end times in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And then he comes to this phrase, and he uses this one, is that they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. 
a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then he even says, and from such people just stay away, turn away from them. In other words, stay back from them. Those that have this form of godliness, but deny its power. Now, what does that look like? When I first look at that, I'm like, that, that looks like there's some certain type of people out there that have this look about being a God follower, but they don't have the actual uh, uh, substance of a God follower. Um, in fact, all the other, trans, uh, other translations will say it in a way that say, have a pretense of religion, but yet do not tap into the power of God that actually has the ability to transform them. I know that's, I think that's the passion translation words in such a manner. So that's really what he's talking about there. So here's something that he's saying that Paul is saying to Timothy, and he's referring to what it's going to look like in the end times. And are we in the end times? Is, okay. Maybe there's somebody back here that's listening. Yeah, okay, okay, good. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I put you all asleep that quick. Like, wow. Uh, we are in the end times. And yeah, we could say from uh, biblical history, we approach the end time mode right after Pentecost. I don't know if you realize that or not, but right after Pentecost, we went into end time mode. In other words, we're waiting for the Lord to return. We've been waiting. They, the church started waiting from day one. When's he coming back? We're still waiting. I know that, and it's like, I, I, there's some awesome stuff I want to speak on that here in the future, because I believe that there's a purpose in waiting, I want to touch on that, but not today, because those are questions that I wrestle with in my own mind and spirit, too. It's like, why are we waiting so long? And, and I just, uh, anyway, let's, let's go on. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. See, see, and, and you know what? And that's probably the most clear and, and concise reason is because there's one more. There's one more. There's one more. That fits God. That fits God's attributes is his patience, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness is for one more. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. So I believe that we are all after, I mean, I don't know if you heard yourselves worshiping this morning, but that was real. That was genuine. I believe that we're all after genuine faith. Genuine faith. Amen? So I want us to look at some things that I've, I see in Scripture that depict, describe what genuine faith looks like. A genuine walking in the Spirit. And again, going back to this, um, this conflict of flesh versus spirit. And it's not this side versus that side, but it's, it's, a, it's what's going on. So there's something that's happening inside of me constantly. Paul referred to it as this conflict that was always working within him. So, you know, he talked about this stuff that he wanted to do, but he couldn't do. This stuff that he didn't want to do, but he did anyway. Said, who's going to save me from this wretched mess that I'm in? Thanks be to God through Jesus. 
I am set free to be me. And that's so cool because that's what we're in this same conflict. We are all in this same uh, uh, um, dilemma. So let's take a look at, there's a few passages of scripture that actually just do something for us that Paul, and he just kind of distinguishes the two. Like very clearly, this is what it looks like in the flesh, this is what it looks like in the spirit. So here's something that we have to do. Uh, this is something that you have, to, you have to do and I have to do. As I read these passages of scripture, it's in Galatians and one in James and one in Romans. There's three a little lengthy, um, and we'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, you have to hear them by the Spirit of God. In other words, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you with intention and purpose to hear what God is saying. Because by default, do you know how you'll listen to it? Come on, you're going to be, this is fun, Right? By in the and in the flesh, when you listen to it in the flesh, who are you listening to it for? Somebody else. Did you know that? Oh, my husband needs to hear this. Can you read that again? Yeah. In the flesh, in the spirit, you'll hear it for yourself as though it's something that I need to hear. And I need to let God do some inner work on, inside of me. In the flesh, we'll hear it as like, <laughs> I hope he heard that one. Right? Okay, so in the spirit, right? Amen? Okay. In agreement. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. And, 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 and you guys know that this is how we operate here. If you have a question, a comment, a thought, please get my attention and we will pause and deal with it as much as possible, as best as possible. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 says this, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, so there's this, there's, he's right off the bat, he's talking about this, there's an active choice we make when you follow. In other words, it's not something that you just, uh, by, it's by a default that you go this direction. When you follow, so there's a choice being made to go this direction. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. There's sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions. Anybody know what that word means? Uh, huh? Yeah, it, it's it's where it's causing causing dissension. It's it's where you're you're you're. Uh, <laughs> I, you, I holding grudges. That's uh yeah that that would be yeah unforgiveness. That's also in there. Um, I got I to gotta elaborate on dissensions just for a second, just because it's, you guys, have heard, you guys have heard the term, I think I could say it in here, uh, a crap disturber. Said it the nicest way I could possibly say it. Huh? Okay, but what's in the pot? 
come on. You guys understand what that, 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 that term, I, I, told, I taught this to the boys because they, 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 uh, they, they... anyway, so, you, you know, there's, there's a job that, that, and Ralph and somebody like Ralph will probably be able to like really like elaborate in a way that there's, there's a, you, you, back in the military in the, in, the, in the days when you used outhouses, there was the worst job that was given to you was the potster. I'll use that word because you had to, for it to actually decompose, it needed to be stirred. So the worst job that you could be given was a potster. Okay? So somebody that is a causes dissensions just simply stirs up what? Ew. Ew. Stirs up the ewness, right? And that's so when you when you think about that, that's like, okay, let's stop for a second. Let's just get really real because how, if you're really honest, isn't that the most tempting thing on the planet is gossip and stirring up poo, right? I mean, how many of you, like, you hear it and you're just like, what? <laughs> About who? He did what? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Let me call. Oh, I'm texting. I'm like, I'm getting on group text for this one. It's like that. It's something that is of the flesh. And that's what he's, he's getting us to identify this in a very real way. That that's not of the Lord. And we might pretend this is a form of godliness but denying its power aspect of it. We might pretend to be spiritual about it. In other words, oh, I should be praying for them. But tell me more. Right? And so, so it's something that we need to very intentionally walk in the Spirit over. Walk in the Spirit over. I, I have such an awesome wife. If ever I try to stir the pot about any of you, anybody, yeah, it happens every once in a while. My wife is the first to say, well, you better be praying for them. Have you walked in their shoes? Do you know what they're going through? And I'm like, God, can't you just like get in here with me? She's like, nope, I ain't, I ain't getting in that hot tub with you. That's nasty. Gosh, that was a depiction. I don't know. If... Dissension. Is not of the Lord, causes division. So let's go on. Let's go on to scripture. Envy, which I think that's what David was referring to, is you know, where we jealousness and um, unforgiveness, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So there's like even a, a whole plethora more that are just like this, but yet are of the flesh. And he's saying this so that we can say, okay, this is what it looks like when we by default, continue to follow in the ways of our flesh. This is what it looks like. This is the fruit of it. This is the evidence of it. And it's very clear. It's not hidden. You think you might be fooling people, but it's very obvious. And then he goes on to say 
that's it's pretty awesome because then he goes on to say, he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now he's referring to that, that kingdom of God that he's referring to there is, is God ruling in your heart. Because see, it's, it's almost like this duh moment that Paul's giving us. Like that makes sense. If you're living in the flesh, your God is not ruling in your heart. You okay over there, Rick? Andy will help you. He's got it. Sorry, I didn't even realize you were... It's okay. The dog... Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, Rick, don't worry about the coffee. Honestly, hey, don't worry about it. Stephen will clean it up later. <laughs> he just like, yeah, I'll get it. I know. No, really. Hey, Rick, Rick, don't even worry about it, please. It's okay. He's not going to listen to me. That's okay. Where was I at? God ruling. The kingdom of God is God ruling. Yes, Linda. Oh, can you bring it back up, Michael, please? Okay, so, so we don't have the verse. It's Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. And then he says this, which is awesome. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. There's evidence of walking in the Spirit that's very real, that's tangible, that's, that's noticeable. It's this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says that there is no law against these things. I know that's one of those phrases that are like, what, what does that even mean? It means that when you're operating by the Spirit of God and, the, and, and by that intentional move that you make to walk in the Spirit by faith, by the power of God, that there won't, there's not all these rules that you have to put on your life because there's something deeper, bigger, stronger ruling inside of you. From inside of you. From inside of you. Hello? In other words, I don't have to put all these fence laws and parameters around me because I am allowing the power of God to rule my heart, my life, my soul, my walk, my direction, my choices, my mind, my emotions. I don't have to put rules and laws around me because something bigger is ruling inside of me. Amen? And when we allow that, and because honestly, the religious laws that we try to put around ourselves, that we try to abide by and try to walk by, we're going to fail, we're going to fall, we're going to be miserable in it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's what even the world looks at us as a bunch of hypocrites. Because we try to say that we are something that we actually are not. Hello? But when we are walking in the Spirit, we are something more than we actually are. And that's the greatest testimony that you could be to the world. I love that. You know, that's the testimony that this church, the Salt Mine Church, has in this community. Do you know what they say most about us out there in the world? We do church right. I know. That's when, when, when I hear that, and I hear that a lot, a lot. 
It, and it's not, a, it's not something we brag about as though we're doing it on our own. Because we aren't. We can't. But when we trust God and, and let the Spirit of God move through us and we walk by the Spirit of God, there's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control and all these things. They're the, they're the move that we make. They're the walk that we take. And it's so awesome because it's real. It's genuine. It's genuine faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. So in James, he talks about something a little bit even deeper, I believe. If you want to go there, well, we're going there anyway. Okay, James chapter 3, starting in verse 13 through 18. Again, the New Living Translation. Thank you, Michael. I can see you popped it up. It says this. And this is talking about wisdom as being a, as the evidence of your spiritual walk. And they're closely tied together. In fact, in fact, at one point Jesus said, if you, if you, ask, if you want to ask, if you uh, lack wisdom, uh, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. The Holy Spirit will be given to you. So Jesus himself at one point in his teaching talks about wisdom and the Holy Spirit as two, uh, one, one thing in the same. Two things, but meaning the same thing. Wisdom and the Holy Spirit are the same things. In other words, we don't get true wisdom without the Holy Spirit. And James says it this way. It says, if you are wise in understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart... Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil kind of practice. But the wisdom that is from above is, first of all, pure. It also is peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing, willing to yield to others. Did you hear that? It's submissive. So... You could see right off the bat, in fact, he even goes on, he says, it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. In other words, it's just like this, it's an overflow, an abundance of good deeds that just come out of it. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. And then he goes on and he says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. You see how something awesome is being described here from James. James is actually the brother of Jesus who wrote this. And he's giving us this distinction between walking in the flesh and an appearance of wisdom. In other words, wisdom of this world. That the wisdom of the world is always going to be self-centered. It's always going to revolve around you improving yourself. You doing what you need to do to make your situation better, irregardless of what it costs others in the room, right? 
That's actually wisdom of the world. It's selfish ambition. Um, and, and it even talks about it, it having, there's a, a jealousy that takes place in it, a, a, a bitter jealous. In other words, bitter jealousy is always going to look at the reason that I am all messed up the way that I am is because of you, 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 and you, and you back there. The government, my parents, my, even my kids, it's their fault. Hello? Bitter jealousy. I was, I was, I was, I was role-playing, okay? I really don't believe that. <laughs> Bitter jealousy is always going to blame others for their circumstances, situation, and even their emotional distraught that they're, they're living in. I know that's like a, a tough one to swallow because the reality is it probably is somebody else's fault. Hello? Anybody in the room? It's probably somebody else's fault, the reason that you hurt. I, I mean, I, I don't think I just wake up in the morning and go, bam, right now. Oh, well, that was, whose fault was that? No, it, it, something happens. Some, somebody hurts us. But you see what needs to take place here in a walk in the Spirit is complete mercy, forgiveness, kindness, love. Right? And it really comes down and boils down to something that's it's, it's very real, is where did I stand before I received God's mercy and grace and kindness and goodness? Was I right with God in the world when I got grace? I know that's a horrible way to say it, but no. And none of us were. So when we really get down to brass taxes, it's really about us loving God, loving others. Walking in the Spirit as opposed to walking in the flesh. And I know it's so simple to say, but it's such a conflict, isn't it? Can anybody identify with this conflict? I'll even put my head down so I don't see your hand go up. Okay. So there's one last passage I want to talk about. It's in Romans chapter 8 because I think Paul sums it up really fantastically in this, in this uh, chapter in Romans 8. The entire chapter is devoted to this subject matter. And he, and he says, because he's dealing with this issue that, in fact, the entire book of Galatians is devoted to this subject matter of walking in the flesh as opposed to walking in the spirit. Um, but Romans 8 here, he deals with it head on. And he says, those who are dominated by the sinful, this is uh, starting in verse 5, sorry about that. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. In other words, it's on their mind. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Think about that. Just, just stop, pause for a moment. I asked the question at the beginning, um, are you aware of this contrast? Are you aware of this conflict within you between your flesh and the Spirit? Well, maybe that's a place to start. How much do I think about pleasing the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me? How much do I think about... Does this please 
God the Spirit inside of me, how I'm thinking, how I'm talking, how I'm reacting, how I'm acting, how I'm actually being at this moment, how I work at my job, how I love my wife, how I treat my children, how I respect my elders, how I, how I <laughs> kindly and lovingly treat somebody that mistreats me. Do I think about that as they just need to get their comeuppance? Or do I say, gosh, this is an opportunity for me to just love on them? Do I think about that which is pleasing to the Spirit? Because that's what he says, is that those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Holy Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good deal. Hey, did you just hear something really good? I did. I heard some awesome news. That if I let my mind be controlled by the Holy Spirit, what do I get out of the deal? Peace. That's pretty darn cool. I mean, that's awesome. I don't know why that just really thrills me. Because I think it's something that we're all after is peace, right? Hallelujah. So we get it. We get it with the walking with the Spirit. And then he goes on and he says, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then he says, And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. But I'm going to jump over to verse 14 or jump way down there because it's this awesome thing that Paul says. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Wow. Just now, let's do another pause for a moment. Children trust their father. So let's not get it all twisted and say, Well, I don't know, my dad. Just stay away from that. Children, by nature, trust their father. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Isn't this, so let's take this like, make it real. When we trust God and walk by faith, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're actively choosing to live and walk according to and completely different than an opposite of the, I'll use the term, the iOS, the internal operating system that has, was downloaded in us by default. Do you hear me? That's just, so, so when we choose to walk in the Spirit, we are walking in opposition to the flesh. Hence the battle, the conflict, the dilemma within each of us. Are you aware of it? I started with that question. And I want us to be astutely aware of it, simply so that we can have what's offered to us by walking in the Spirit. If the biggest one is peace, then let's go there. Peace within is real, and it's big, it's huge. When we were driving back from 
San Diego, we started uh, on the trip back, started near San Diego. Um, what was the town we were in? Oceanside. And um, there's something that I, I noticed because uh, I had a car full of, had a truck full of people and stuff. And from about Oceanside anywhere from San Diego to L.A., there's this awesome thing that, that is provided on the freeway. The carpool lane. It's so cool. It's so cool. And I, like, as I instantly got on the highway, like, I'm getting into the carpool lane because I'm carpooling, right? And I'm driving in the carpool lane, you know, and, I, and I'm, you know, there's this something that was taking place that I noticed. I was, like, just really watching just drivers and, and stuff that was happening and and the carpool lane down south is 24 hours. Like, there's traffic 24 hours down there, right? Okay, so it's 24-hour carpool lane. Not, as opposed to up here, it's only business hours, whatever. So, so as you're driving in the carpool lane, I'm noticing something that, like, wow, this is, this is kind of a luxury. This is kind of a, a benefit to having passengers in my vehicle. I, I, I am benefited by having passengers in my vehicle because the carpool lane typically was driving at a steady pace constantly as opposed to the non-carpool lane that was stop and go traffic you know people getting off people getting on people being stupid whatever but it was happy it was real and I was like I was in my own little free world in the carpool lane Doing 95. No, just kidding. No, I wasn't. That's not what the carpool lane means. There's some people, I swear, they got in the carpool lane and they think there's no laws. They have, they, there's like, the laws don't apply to them. Like, the driving laws. Like, this is where I could drive 100 miles an hour and get out of my way. What are you doing in here if you're not driving that? <coughs> that wasn't me. It's not the Autobahn, no. But there's something that I, I realized, and I want to see, just see this illustration, if you will. And I know some of you might want to tweak my illustration and say, well, what about motorcyclists and smart, you know, electric cars? They don't, it's like, let me stick with the passengers, okay? Come with me with the passengers in the car. And so here's what I, I came to this conclusion, or this illustration is the blessing that we receive to just trust God. I mean, to completely trust Him. I mean, to, if you want to use the illustration of a trust fall, just fall back into His arms and let Him catch you. Let Him guide you. Let him strengthen you. Let him give you, give you all the things that we just described. We, we just listed them all. We read them all. Peace, joy, love, kindness, goodness. I mean, that sounds like a really good life. Hello? That sounds like a really good life. It requires us to get him in our vehicle, Jesus that is, and, and, and I know there's a lot of good country songs about that. Jesus taking the wheel and all that good stuff. 
but it requires us to really trust him. Let him in and let him have control. Let him have control is what it means to trust him. Give him control. Give him your all is what that means to trust him. Because the last thing any of us want to be is that person that Paul is describing in 2 Timothy that is a person that has a form of godliness but denies the power of God to actually do something in their lives. Hello? None of us woke up and said, that's what I want to be. But if we don't make it intentional to trust Him, by default, we will operate in our flesh and we'll do it our own way and we'll make a mess of things. And, and, and not only besides that, but we miss out on all the blessings of a Spirit-filled, blessed life. Hello? I know that sounds just so simple, but it is really so simple. How easy it is to say, I know it's challenging to do. See, the life of a believer that trusts God completely is truly a blessed life. And I know you might say, oh, that illustration with the carpool lane isn't really fitting because I've been in the carpool lane and it just dead stopped. Okay, I think it fits because there's sometimes a life of a believer where you know what, I'm going this direction and it's a God direction and it's full of peace and joy and love and all of a sudden, the brakes hit, something gets twisted up and curled up and all of a sudden you got, well, what happened to my blessed life? And you got to just say, you know what, maybe this is something to teach me something. Maybe I'm, I've got to just actually live the spirit-filled life and be patient, be kind, be gentle. Right? Because it does require, uh, this is another message, but I'll just say it real quickly. It requires conflict in your life to actually produce the fruits of the Spirit. We do realize that, right? Because, you know, the only time that you're required to be patient is when the alternative is impatience. Like, stuff's irritating you. Like, people are in your way. Uh, things aren't going as they should. The only time it's required, you're required to be gentle is when you're tempted to actually be harsh and cruel and mean and mad. Hello? That makes sense, right? In other words, if I sit around by myself, it's really easy to be nice and kind and gentle and peace. But it's all you people that make me have to operate in the flesh. I mean, in the spirit. That came out wrong. Maybe that was a faux pas. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, it's, it's vice versa. It's, it's, so sometimes the carpool lane has got its challenges. Sometimes the blessed life has got its challenges. Hello? Amen to that one, yeah. So let's just think about it. Let's pray about it. Let's, let's completely trust the Lord in it. Because I think that it's this. It's, uh, this is, I'm, I'm finished with this. If the worship team would want to kind of bring, <clears throat> bring yourselves up. The infinite, limitless, almighty God, creator of all that exists, it is, he is inviting you and I to just trust him as a good father. I don't know about you, but that's, 
a good deal on our end because you will be blessed. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you that your spirit flows in our midst, that when we come to lift your name, when we come into this room, and we might have some issues, we might have some thoughts that we're not really sure about all that you are and all that you can provide and all that you do. But Lord, when I just simply take that step of faith to just trust you, and it's, whether it's a fall back into your arms or a walk, a, a step that I don't see, I, I, I can't see what is going to happen next, but I'm going to trust you. So Father God, we all come together as broken people that need help. Is people that struggle with our faith. We come to you saying, help us to trust you. We believe, but help our unbelief. We trust you, but we need, we need some help. And so we know that, that there's this awesome thing that you do, that by your spirit, you move us to trust you. So we're asking you to do that this morning. Move us to trust you. Move us to see you as a good father. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen.